So I really believe that even though it's Easter just finished, I believe that if I go into the Bible and I read what happened next, I understand a little bit what the disciples went through. Because I remember it very clearly. Years ago, my mother came into the living room and said, I am going grocery shopping. Who wants to follow? And five-year-old Stefan raised his hand and said, Mommy, I want to go. So I followed my mom to go grocery shopping in Globus. Now, Globus is basically a German version of Giant. It even looks familiar, it looks similar. So that is where we went to go grocery shopping. So we went there, we went through the whole list that my mom had, and we came to the best aisle in the whole of the supermarket. That is the chocolate aisle. Now, if you know my mom, and if you know me, you know that we are no strangers to the chocolate aisle. So I was standing in the chocolate aisle and I was looking at all these heavenly snacks, food from heaven straight down to earth, right? I was looking and once I was finished looking all the nice things they had, I turned around and my mom was gone. And I was looking around, where did mommy go? I mean, I'm five years old, right? So I went to the other aisle over Mommy wasn't there. I went to the aisle behind me. Mommy wasn't there. So I went aisle to aisle looking for my mom and I could not find her. Finally, I'm not sure if I cried. I'm a German child, so I'm sure I did not cry. <laughs> but, but someone, an auntie, saw that I was in distress and she came up to me and said, do you need help? I said, I'm looking for my mommy. So she took me to the information counter and they did the announcements. Ding, ding, ding. Little Stefan is looking for his mommy. Please come and collect him at the information counter. Ding, ding, ding. And my mom came running. I mean, if you know my mom. I just leave it at that. She came running around the corner looking for me. Turns out she was looking for me and I was looking for my mom, but we always missed each other. So when she was looking at one side, I was looking the other side and then I went to the other side and she went to the opposite side. So we always missed each other. But finally we were reunited and I believe I can understand the disciples a little bit because Easter time, Jesus was put up on the cross Everything that they thought would happen came crashing down. Jesus was crucified. He died. He laid down his life. He was buried in the tomb now. Three days later, he came back to life. And if we go into the scripture, like I said, we're going to conclude the God of Signs and Wonders series. So we are going into John chapter 21. But at that time, Jesus appeared to the disciples two times. One time, he appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't around. So Jesus showed up a second time. Then when we go into John chapter 21, this is where Jesus will appear to seven disciples another time, the third time. But I can only imagine how they must have felt. Jesus died. Now he came back twice, but is Jesus coming back for good? Will he be with us? Will he now go to the right hand of the Father and leave us behind? What is going on? They were in a time of great uncertainty. 
And if you're here this morning and you can identify and you say, maybe I am in my life at the time where I don't understand what is happening. I don't know what my tomorrow holds. I don't know how next year, five years from now looks. I want you to know that God is with you. That he wants to be real to you in a very, very specific and in a very real way. Where he will show up in a powerful way. So today we're going to talk about the last sign that is described in John chapter 21. Now I'm not going to go into the definition of the sign. You heard me say it over and over again in this series. But today's lesson or today's sermon will be about obedience. Will be about obedience. And if you go into the dictionary and you look what obedience is, obedience means a compliance with an order or submission to someone else's authority. So obedience is something that God values. Just this morning, we heard in the pre-service, for those who are serving, we have a small little session going on before the service starts. We heard how God values obedience. If we are obedient, we can expect the blessings of God to flow. So we are believing that obedience is necessary for God's blessings to really flow into our life. And if we come to John chapter 21, I'm not going to take time to read all of it. We're going to go into a few of the key scriptures, but we see that the disciples now, Peter and six other disciples decided that they're going to go back and go fishing. And so they went fishing, they tried to fish all night, but they didn't catch anything. So in the morning when they went back to shore, Jesus was standing at the seashore and he was calling out to them, hey fellas, have you caught any fish? And they probably with their heads down said, no, we haven't caught anything. Then Jesus said, throw your net to the right side of the boat. And you will have a great fish, a great catch. So as they obeyed, when they took their net and they threw it on the right side of the boat, the Bible says it was such a great catch of fish that they couldn't even bring it into the boat. And another miracle is that the net did not tear because of the great catch of fish that was in the net. But see here, they were obedient to the word of Jesus and right away they saw the blessing of God. Now the Bible goes on to say that when John saw what was happening and looked again, he told Peter, hey Peter, this is not just an ordinary man, that is Jesus. So Peter jumped out of the boat, went to the shore, and all the disciples in the boat right behind him. And then they meet with Jesus. And Jesus said, come sit down, we're going to have a barbecue Enjoy the food that there is. And that is the eighth sign, basically, where they received a blessing because of their obedience. Amen? So God showed up for the third time, showing them very clearly that he is interested. But I believe there's three things that we can learn for our life right here in this story. And the first thing is, is that our environment tries to define us. Our environment tries to define us. John chapter 21 verse 1 and 2 says, 
afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Now, how were the disciples referred to right here in the scripture? They're referred to as the disciples, right? It's right here. Afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples. Now, just think three years before that. A lot of those fellas were fishermen. And everybody knew them to be a fisherman. They were known to be fishermen. Fishermen who were brave people. They would go out and weather the storms in the sea. They would go out trying to catch fish. Maybe a little bit rough around the edges. Maybe their words a little bit harsh. Maybe cuss here and there a little bit. I don't know. But they were known as fishermen. Then Jesus comes along and calls them. Leave everything behind and follow me. Now what were they known as now? Disciples of Jesus. To the point that when uh, Jesus was arrested and he was brought in front of the high court, the high priest, Peter followed and he went into the courtyard and he was standing by a fire. And a small girl, young girl, looks at Peter and says, Hey, aren't you one of the ones who were with Jesus? And what did Peter say? He got scared. He said, no, it wasn't me. Three times Peter denied Jesus. But here's the thing. A young girl recognized him to be a disciple. Three years ago, he was known as a fisherman. Three years later, spending time with Jesus, now he was known as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now the surrounding the environment around him recognized him as not only a fisherman anymore. They saw him now to be a disciple of Christ. So our environment tries to define who we are. But we have to come to a point where we know who we are in God. If the people around you talk about you, what will they say about you? Will they say, oh, he's a nice fella? Or Shevin, very handsome guy, very nice fella? Will they know that you are a Christian? What will people say about you? What is your environment saying about you? Because the environment tries to define you. What are you? Are you a fisherman or are you a follower of Christ? See, I, bought the, I brought this one, Lace Chips. Now you might say, Pastor, what is going on? Last sermon you preached, you brought Coca-Cola. Now you bring Lay's chips. What is going on with your diet? <laughs> I want you to know I brought this just as an illustration. Now this Lay's chips, if you go to Speedna, Speedmart 99, 99 Speedmart, you will find this exact thing for 2 ringgit 99 cents. Okay, 2.99. In Speedmart. If you go to Jaya Grocer, you will have to pay three ringgit and 50 cents. A little bit more, right? 50 cents more. If you go to Subway, 
and you order a sandwich and you order a side and you order the chips as a side, now it's not exactly Lay's, they don't have the logo, but other than that, it looks exactly like that. Anyone in Subway before? It looks exactly like this, except the Lay's logo. But if you buy the side from Subway, it is three ringgit and 87 cents. Now, if you go to mynews.com, a convenience store, that is where I bought this one from. Actually, Joanna bought for me. But she bought this for me. Guess how much she paid? Five ringgit and 10 cents. From 2.99 at Speedmart to five ringgit and 10 cents. Now, just imagine you're going for a holiday. You're going to a nice hotel. You enjoy the day at the pool with your kids. You go for dinner, you come home, you enjoy a little bit of TV, and then you feel like eating some chips. And you look at a mini bar, and there it is, Lay's chips, 50 grams, classic. Guess how much you have to pay? Now, I don't know. I didn't, I tried to find out, I didn't find how much, but I'm sure it is a way more than five ringgit. Maybe 10 ringgit, maybe seven, maybe eight ringgit, I don't know. But here's the thing, the environment determines how much you are willing to pay for it. Come on. If you go to 99 Speed Mart, you pay 2.99. If you go to a convenience store, you pay five ringgit. If you are in a hotel, you don't want to go out and find a 99 Speed Mart. You just want to enjoy the chips. You're willing to pay double that, maybe 10 ringgit. So the environment determines how much you are willing to pay for it. But if you look at it, all in all the stores, the product is the same. The chips is the same. The packaging is the same. Everything is exactly the same, but you are willing to pay more. Now, when it comes to our life, and we strip away all that makes us really us in a, in a worldview that is now domineering around the world, as in what race are you from? Or what kind of education do you have? What kind of country do you come from? What kind of job do you have? What kind of income do you have? What kind of house do you live in? All these things are attributed to who a person is. But if we strip all these things away, at the core of it, we are all the same. We are made in the image of God. And you are immeasurable, valuable, simply because you are made in the image of God and because God loved you so much that he would give his only son for you. Strip away all the achievements that you have, your education, your career, how much you earn. Strip away all that, who you are, is already immeasurable, valuable because you are in the image of God and you are loved by God to a point that he gave Jesus for you. So yes, we want to celebrate you in all your success, but at the core of it, who are you really inside? Besides the things that people look at success and achievements, who are you really? How does your character look like? Are you a fisherman 
Or are you a disciple of God? Are you one who just tries to get by everyday life, trying to live a good life, trying to provide for your family? There's nothing wrong with that. Or are you willing to step out and say, God, I want to be more than that. I want to be known as a disciple of Christ. The environment tries to define you, but you can define yourself simply because you are a child of God. You find value, you find purpose knowing that God has something special for you. A plan and a purpose that only you can fulfill. Now it doesn't mean that we are indispensable, but it means that God has his eye on you. That he has something special planned for you. And if we only obedient to him, if we only follow him, we can be fulfilled in our life. Like we cannot feel any other way. I just talked to one of my friends in Germany. And he said, Stefan, how come you are still in Germany? Uh, how come you are still in Malaysia after 18 years? Because I know him since I'm a small child. So he asked me, how much do you make? Eh? <laughs> and since I know him from, uh, since I'm a child, I know I can trust him. So I told him and he said, What? Are you crazy? What are you still doing there? Come back. I will give you a job and you make at least double that. I said, it's not about that. Because I am living out my purpose. And that is so much more valuable than anything that shows up in your bank account. Come on. If we are in the purpose of God... If we live our life knowing that we are in the center of God's will, there comes such a fulfillment that you cannot find anywhere else. And even if you look at the people who made it, they have money, they have power, they have prestige, they have everything, but there's still something missing. They're still looking for something more. I believe it is found in the purpose of God. And if we are only obedient, we can feel that in our life. Number two, we can see that our familiarities become our comfort. Our familiarities become our comfort. John chapter 21 verse 3. I am going to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you. So they went out, got into a boat, but that night they did not catch anything. So here's the one. Peter comes and says, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. Why? Because he went back to what was familiar to him. And that is a deeply human condition. When I went to college a long time ago, I had to take a psychology class. And then we talked about in the psychology class about the Stockholm Syndrome and trauma bonding. And there was one more term that I cannot think of, and I tried to find it, I couldn't find it. But we are talking about the Stockholm Syndrome, basically meaning that even though uh, people find themselves in an abusive environment, sometimes they find the courage to leave the abusive environment. But 90% of times, they will go back to the same abusive relationship. Or they find another relationship that will turn out to be abusive as well. Why? Because it is familiar to them. 
No matter how dysfunctional it seems to us, if we as outsiders look and say, how can that person who is being abused finally get out of that relationship? How can that person go back willingly to an abusive relationship? It doesn't make sense. But it's because the dysfunction, even the abuse, becomes normal over time. So when they find themselves outside in a new situation, change is happening. Very often they go back to what is familiar to find comfort. How can you find comfort in abuse? I know, it doesn't make sense to me. But it is a deep human condition that we want to go back what is familiar to us, even though it might be dysfunctional. We want to go back what is familiar, even though it might be self-destructive to us. And here it is. Maybe if something traumatic happens, we want to go back to what is familiar, even if it is sin. Simply because it is familiar to us. So when the disciples now find themselves in a traumatic experience, Jesus has been taken away, crucified, died at a cross. Yes, he showed up twice, but they are still very uncertain of what is going to happen next. What are the fishermen doing? The disciples. They go back to fishing. Because that is what they were familiar with. So seven disciples led by Peter, they are going back to fishing simply because it is familiar to them. Now, I wonder if something happens to us, where will we turn to? Do we run back to dysfunction that might be familiar to us? Do we run back to a sinful lifestyle because that is what is familiar to us? Or are we turning to God? See, here's the thing. How can we overcome this? Simply by becoming so familiar with God, becoming so familiar with the presence of God that when something traumatic happens, instead of turning to dysfunction, we are turning to the presence of God. We are so familiar now with Him and His presence that when something happens that we don't understand, we are turning to Him because He is familiar to us. So let the presence of God become your place of refuge. Let his place, his presence become the place where you can run to and find relief and can find peace from the stress and the uncertainties of this world. Very practically, how can we do that? Well, whenever you have the time, be in the presence of God. When you're in the car going to work, put on some worship music. Be in the presence of God. If you do your exercise, pray to God. Whenever you're doing your daily chores, just be aware of the presence of God. Welcome Him in while you're doing the things that you have to do. But that is we are becoming more and more familiar with the presence of God so that if anything happens, we will turn to him rather than to dysfunction or sin or anything else. Because reality is our familiarity 
is our comfort. So we have to make sure that God is so familiar to us that we can find Him and can find His presence. Number three, very quickly, our obedience will always lead to blessing. Our obedience will always lead to blessing. John chapter 21 verse 6, he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Here's the thing. Now all the charismaniacs like me growing up in the charismatic church, we are like all getting excited. Oh, here it comes. We are obedient to God. That means the blessing is coming. And yes, we can see it right here. It really did happen. They were obedient to what God asked them to do. Jesus said, throw your net on the right side. Very specific. So when they were obedient, they had a big haul of fish. We are all getting excited. All got fuzzy inside, right? But here's the thing. What if... The blessing is not material, but the blessing is actually more of God. Now, I remember Pastor David preached a message about this. That the blessing that we are after is not things. The blessing that God wants to bless us with is more of Him. Now, I don't know if it was a Bible study, if it was a sermon. I don't know when it was preached, but I remember him preaching it. So what if the blessing... Is not material, but it's His presence. Obedience will always lead to blessing. Sometimes it will show up in our bank account. Hallelujah! <laughs> Sometimes it will be material. Like right here, they experienced a material breakthrough. They received a great haul of fish. They had more than enough to eat and even to sell the fish and make some money. Yes, hallelujah. But not always will you see the blessing to be material. But there's always, always a blessing. And that is more of Him. If we are obedient to Him, we can expect to become closer to God. And that is actually all that we really need. Because at the end of the day, if we think about it, we are all just steward of what God has given us. Whatever we have in our life is what God has entrusted to us. And we are stewarding what God has already given to us. You say, oh, but pastor, I work very hard for my money. Yes, I, I believe you. But who gave you another day to live? Who gave you the strength and the breath to get up in the morning and go to work? The Bible says that Jesus is the one who sustains anything, everything. Without him, everything would just fall apart. So yes, we work hard. And I want to celebrate in your achievement and in your success. But we have to come to a point where we say, we are all just stewards of what God has given us in the first place. And that should make it so much easier to be obedient to Him. Because everything that we have is given to us. But you have to be good stewards. 
Just on Friday, I was so excited because we had cell group and we had John Asaria and we had Arul in the cell group. And they shared their testimony. Tremendous. They both received a promotion because they were faithful in the small. God is putting them over a lot more. Amen. But you have to be a good steward. If you want to know more, you just go to them and they can tell you all about it. I'm not going to go into detail. But here's the thing. They had to be good stewards. John, I believe, said, all knowledge comes from God. That was his word that he said. Absolutely true. Arul said, one of the sentences, he said, I can see favor now. That doesn't even make sense. I receive favor that I do not deserve. There's no reason why the person would look favorable on me. But they do. It's because they are faithful stewards, God can put them over more. Amen? So it all comes back to we are stewards in the kingdom of God. How do we steward the things that God has already given to us? We have to be faithful and good stewards. And I believe that God will bless us, yes. And I hope it will be material as well. But I know for a fact, if not that, God will bless you with more of him. And just to bring that point across, I was thinking of the story of Joseph. Joseph, a young man, has a vision from God. We know it is from God. At that point, the family didn't know it was from God, but we know it was a vision from God. He goes and tells the family, they get upset at him. Because it meant that the family was bowing down to him. Didn't make sense. But he didn't do anything wrong. Now the father asked him to take food and bring to the brothers who were taking care of the animals. So Joseph was obedient to the father. He took the food, went all the way to his brothers. When the brothers saw him coming from a distance... They said, oh, here is this fella. Here is the dreamer. We hate him. We're going to kill him. Later on, they changed a little bit. They sold him into slavery. What? I just said that obedience will always lead to blessing. Here is Joseph. He is obedient to the father. Did he receive his blessing? Yeah, no. He was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. Oh, it doesn't look like a blessing, right? He ends up in Egypt in a man's house named Potiphar. He is working well. Potiphar is making him the head over all the servants in the house. He is a good servant. He is obedient to the master. But then the wife of the master looks at him. And likes what she sees. But he is obedient. Doesn't do anything is wrong. He is falsely accused. Ends up in prison. What? He is obedient to the master. Does exactly what the master wants and expects from him. Did he receive the blessing? No. He ends up in prison. But years later... 
Finally, after interpreting a dream from Pharaoh, he is being elevated to become the second highest person in the entire country. Finally, the vision that God has given him is coming to fruition. But here's the thing, from the time he had the dream until the dream finally came into existence was many years with ups and downs. But finally he saw everything that God promised come into existence. Amen? So maybe sometimes we have to wait for our blessing. But I can guarantee you the blessing of the presence of God is right there. Because through it all, even though he was thrown into the pit, he was thrown into the prison, he got closer and closer with God. God was preparing him through it all so that he could finally be blessed and be elevated to the position that he was supposed to have in the end. It was all in preparation. So the blessing that he was after as a young boy, it took years to come to pass. But the blessing of his presence, he experienced throughout his life. Amen? I believe throughout his life, he experienced the presence of God in a measure that was just increasing every time he went through a difficult situation. So even if you're here today and you're waiting for your promise, waiting for your blessing to come, know that his presence is wide open for you. That we can receive the blessing of his presence in our life. And of course, we will pray with you and believe with you that you receive even material blessings. But know that the presence of God is promised to you. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, whoever, not Europeans, not only Americans, whoever believes in him, not only those with university education, whoever believes in him, not those who come from a certain kind of background, Strip that all away. We are immeasurable, valuable because we are made in the image of God and God loves us. So I believe that God is just waiting to come into your life. Even though we might be going through a difficult situation, He is waiting so that He can come in and become closer to you. Hallelujah. And I believe that He, of course, will also open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing into your life. Amen. Can the praise team come this morning? Can we all rise to our feet and respond to God?